so, Exodus chapter 8, starting in verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, go to Pharaoh, and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. By the way, that's always what God's calling the people of him to do. Not that they may know who I am and warm a pew, but that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. Any of you like frogs? Not just a few. There's going to be a lot of frogs here. For the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, and on your bed, into the house of your servants, into your kneading bowls, into your ovens, all this good stuff. Uh, drop down... Uh, verse 7, the, and the magicians did so with their enchantments, and they brought up frogs in the land. So you have some uh, evil, uh, demonically uh, used magicians, and uh, whether it was all sleight of hand or even some demonic activity, uh, either is possible. We don't know for sure, but whatever it is, they were able to replicate in a small measure. They couldn't have billions of them come up, but they could do enough that, that Pharaoh was like, see, my guys can do that. My guys also have that capability. But uh, it got pretty bad in verse 8, and Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, I I've had enough. Verse 9, and Moses said to Pharaoh, accept the honor of saying, uh, you know, basically he, uh, in verse 8, Pharaoh said, entreat the Lord that he may take away these frogs from me, and I will let the people go. Now, he really didn't mean it. But he asked, and we see Moses' response, I shall intercede for you for your servants and for the people. Verse 12, and uh, Moses and Aaron went out, and, the, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought on to Pharaoh. And so, verse 13, the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died in the houses, and then they gathered them up into heaps, and verse 14 said they stank. Massive, massive hills of frogs. You think being covered with snow is a problem. Imagine being covered with frogs dead ones. Uh, well, live ones aren't any more fun than dead ones, so, you know, both, both would be problematic, but, you know, outside it's covered with snow, but then they get another coverage, ver uh, verse uh, 16. So Pharaoh, by the way, in verse 15, hardened his heart, he recanted and said, I'm not going to let him go. Verse 16, so the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your rod and strike the dust, and it becomes lice. So you know what happened, lice goes everywhere, but the magicians, they also uh, tried this, but this was the first one they couldn't replicate. Um, in verse 18, and the magicians worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. They couldn't replicate this one. This is the first time that uh, Pharaoh is able to see, the magicians are able to see that, hold on, maybe God really is above Pharaoh. Maybe God can do some things that Pharaoh can't do. He couldn't bring the lice. So the lice are now everywhere. Uh, not just one or two kids in the school. Everybody is covered with lice, the whole land. Uh, verse 19, the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. The magicians have started to realize, hold on a second. <laughs> Pharaoh may not be convinced, but we're convinced. We're convinced this is God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them. And the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh, and then we see um, the next 
plague that's going to take place is flies. Flies are going to come all over the land. And that day, he says, I'm going to make a difference between Goshen, where the children of Israel are at. They're not going to get the flies, but uh, the rest of Egypt's going to get all of these flies. And he says in verse 21, I will send swarms of flies on you, that being Pharaoh, on your servants and on your people into the house. And the house of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also on the ground. And that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, which my people dwell, and the swarms of flies shall not, uh, that no flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. And I will make a difference between my people and your people. And then in chapter 9, we have, uh, he's told to go into Pharaoh again. And he says he's going to send us a very severe pestilence on the livestock and the cattle. And, but the Lord says nothing will happen to the livestock and the children of Israel. In verse 5, then the, Lord, then the Lord appointed a set time that all this would take place. And let's uh, pray one more time. Father, we, we thank you again for the truth of your word. And Lord, no matter how many times we hear a verse or hear a story, because you are limitless, you can teach us something new. Or certainly remind us of something we've neglected. And we ask that you would do so this morning, this time of study. For it's in Jesus' precious name. And in the work of the Spirit we pray. Amen. Um, before we look at this, I wanted to say one other thing about the, um, you know, the land outside covered with snow. And I, as I was praying, I said, Lord... Uh, should we have the service? And I can I can come up with all the reasons we shouldn't. You know, I want to put people on the road. I mean, not that I I'm not forcing anybody to come. We quite tell everybody, by all means, stay home if you don't feel comfortable with it. If you grew up in the Bahamas and you ever driven in snow, or whatever, you know, if you don't, if you have a rear wheel drive, you know, whatever, uh, don't don't come. Don't feel obligated. Watch us online, whatever. But. Um, one thing that popped into my head is, as just different confirming scripture alerts, go ahead and move forward with it. I, I came right back to my head is the testimony of Charles Spurgeon. You guys know who Charles Spurgeon is? Prince of Preachers, preached in uh, London in the 1800s. And his testimony, I'll just read a little clip of it. If you didn't know, he said, he said, sometimes I think, this is his words, sometimes I think I might have been in darkness and despair until now had it not been for the goodness of God in sending a snowstorm. On a Sunday morning, while I was going to a certain place of worship, and I turned down a side street and came to a little primitive Methodist church. In that chapel, there may have been a dozen or 15 total people. I had heard of the primitive Methodist, how they sang so loudly that they made people's head ache. Y'all didn't do that loud this morning, but, uh, but that did not matter to me. I wanted to know how I might be saved. The minister did not come that morning. He was snowed up, I suppose. That's his words. I don't know what snowed up means, but you know what I mean. I, I know what it means, but it's not a term we use now. At last, a very thin-looking man, a shoemaker, a tailor or something of that sort, went up to the pulpit to preach. Now it is well that preachers be instructed, but this man was really, now the word doesn't mean the way we understand it, stupid. He says stupid here, but you know, unlearned, you know, not, uh, not really formally taught. 
He was obliged to stick to his text for the simple reason that he had little else to say. And the text was, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, Isaiah 45, 22. Now Spurgeon went on to get saved that day as a teenager. And his only thought was, I'm going to turn down this side street and maybe a church will be open, even though it's a driving snowstorm. And he walks in there 15 people and he says, I just want to know how to be saved. And of all the verses that this guy who is not the pastor could have read, he says, look unto me and be ye saved. And so he, he knew from that time, he said, God had sent a snowstorm that shut London down effectively, except for a handful of places said, let's just meet anyway. And so I just felt like the Lord said, look, just meet anyway. You never know what I'm going to do. Maybe there's someone here that stumbled in or will stumble in or watching online. Uh, because, uh, you know, I can do Facebook Live and from my office or something, but you, you don't know who's going to tune in. But So may the Lord use it. So back to our text, which is not uh, a salvation text per se, although uh, God was certainly speaking to all of Egypt. I think you'd agree with me that God was not wanting to punish or destroy Egypt. God is not willing that any should perish, but all would what? Come to repentance. Even Pharaoh had that opportunity. But I want to look at Moses here because we have kind of like the same calling as Moses. Now, you're not called to go stand before kings, nor am I yet. Maybe someday I have that opportunity. But, but we are called to go out into the Egypt of this world day after day, week after week, into your workplace, into your community, into your grocery stores, into your Starbucks lots of times, into all of these different places, right? And be a light and be a witness. And so I've titled this, Can't See the Progress. Sometimes we think, Lord, when are people going to listen to this message? When, when are people actually going to respond? When are people actually going to say, tell me more about Jesus? When are people going to say, you know, I'm, I, this sin in my life is not helping me. Tell me about the life-giving water of Jesus. You ever wonder when people will come to their senses? People used to wonder that about us. I know people used to wonder that about me. I know people that were praying for me were like, that guy has a thick skull, right? Uh, Pharaoh had a thick skull, but more of a thick heart. But we're still called to be like Moses. And so we just want to look at uh, five things here this morning uh, that hopefully encourage us. In verse 1, it says, the Lord spoke to Moses. What's the very first word? Go. What did Jesus tell us? Go into all the world. And do what? Don't say a word. Preach the gospel. Go into all the world and open your mouth kindly, gently, spirit-filled. But go. Simply one of the best things we can do is go. But, but it said the Lord spoke to Moses. We have to, we talked about this Wednesday night. Be what? Still and know that I'm God. We have to have a devotional time with God where God speaks to us and we have something now to take. So, same situation here. Everything gets messed up yesterday. Calendars moving around. I can't do Nehemiah. God says, I've, I've been speaking to you all week in Exodus. Just go share it. I don't have my notes, Lord. I don't have this. I don't have that. It doesn't matter. Just go share what I've been telling. Just go and share. 
Moses doesn't really speak to anybody. That's not, God didn't tell Moses, and you're responsible for how this is received. No. He just says, go and say this. But our calling is not to, you know, we're not to go and preach a sermon at work, but we're still to go and be kind and loving and considerate. And when people ask us a question, we have a reason for the hope lies in it and say, well, here's, here's what I read this week. Funny, you should ask. You know what I'm saying? But you have to go, and we have to go in the right spirit. And so Moses goes in a spirit of what we would say obedience, a spirit of obedience. He might have had some fear. You know, this is um, only going to be plague number two. The first one was blood. And Moses isn't quite sure how many of these kind of messes he's going to get before his head's gone, right? But he's going to go anyway. But when we hear God, it gives us a couple of things. So we first have to hear God speak to us. There's a difference between hearing anything and hearing God. When we hear God, in your devotional time, you might wake up and you're feeling lazy or apathetic or even a Thursday still feels like Monday to you, right? We know Mondays are the hard ones, you know, get back in the grind. And, and you don't really feel like doing anything. A lot of times you don't feel like going to church. You don't feel like reading. You don't feel like praying. But you spend time with the Lord. And when God begins to speak to us, all of a sudden, our spirit becomes more alert. We become softer. We become more willing. And then we also get confidence, right? confidence. And God says, I am with you wherever you go. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to go with you. So uh, as Moses goes, you see the confidence in his, in his uh, proclamation, let my people go, but if you refuse. Now, we're not to be rude, but as God sends us out, we are to have enough of the voice of the Lord with us that we can be confident. I know whom I have believed in and persuaded that he is able. Amen? Joshua told the children, be strong and very courageous. But it's not to be strong and courageous in your own sense. He doesn't say, hey, don't worry about praying for the next year, but still be strong and courageous. The Lord spoke to Moses. Moses had communion with God. When we talk about devotions, when you think about the word devotions and you think about I need to hear from God, that I would actually have something God needs to fill me so I have something to pour out. It's about being in communion with God. Moses was in communion with God. And Moses is not special in the sense, well, only great men, Paul, Moses, Joshua, and Peter, they can be in communion. The rest of us are kind of way down. No, we can all have that communion. So when God speaks to us, we have something to speak. And it's not always the gospel. You might need wisdom for a problem some that day. You might need wisdom for your kids. Your kids are struggling with something. Say, you know, I was reading. We have, this, we have these discussions in my house all the time. You know, I was reading this morning. But if you weren't reading, you have nothing to say. Or, I was reading on Facebook, and I gained so much wisdom. <laughs> now, believe it or not, you can gain some. People post some really good stuff. They post some goofy stuff, too, but really good stuff, too. But the Bible, Moses spent time hearing from the word of the Lord, and then he goes. And so I just want to make the point that as we hear from God, 
he will always give us a spirit of going forward. God is not the God of going backwards. Amen? You're going to keep moving forward. You're going to keep going back out of the world. You're going to keep going to Pharaoh. Well, what if Pharaoh doesn't listen? God says, that's my problem. What if my coworkers don't listen? That's the Lord's problem. Well, it's not, his, it's not a problem to God. He's not worried about it. What if my family, we're going to see them at Christmas. Do we go to the family thing? They're going to be drinking. They're going to be doing that. So what? Just go be a light. Just go. Second thing, so he goes, and, and, uh, and it doesn't go well. Well, Pharaoh refuses. If the kids were in here, by the way, I'm gonna, I was going to have the kids vote. But I'll let you all vote since you, it's good to be like a kid during Christmas season. You, this is your chance to be grown-up kids. Would you, rather the, your land, would you rather your house be infested with frogs, lice, or flies? All right, who says frogs? Frogs by the thousands. I mean, just covering everything. Just more frogs and... All right, who says lice? Who wants... You're voting for lice? All right. Who, vote, who, votes, who votes flies? Wow. I, I'm with the frog people. Something about as weird as frogs are, lice and flies... I feel like frogs are at least nice. I feel like fries torment our food and burgers and, you know. They're not good choices. The kids play this game, Would You Rather? And there's no good choice there, right? It's... Hey, Pharaoh chose all three. How's that for a dumb decision, right? He chose all three. The people are like, you think we have bad leaders. The people are like, oh, my goodness. Even the magicians finally say, this guy, they finally said, at some point they said to Pharaoh, like, do you not, they, they literally say these words a couple chapters later, they say to Pharaoh, do you not realize the land is being destroyed? This is like us speaking to Washington, D.C., right? <laughs> do you not realize the land is being destroyed? A lot of times they don't care, Pharaoh didn't care. But he chose all three, and it's, it's really, really gross and infested with frogs and lice and flies and more than we could see. The Bible says it covered the land. I mean, just covered. It's like It would be like snow of frogs everywhere. But fair, he, didn't, he, didn't, uh, he didn't soften his heart. He didn't listen. And, you know, you may have invited a coworker to church sometime, and, and you, you knew that message was perfect. There's no way they're walking out of here unsaved, and they walked out unsaved. You're like, how is that possible? We, everything was teed up. Everything was on point. They should, have, they should have got saved 12 times in the service, right? And yet they didn't get saved once. We've all had these times where we, we, we laid things out perfectly and we thought, surely they'll hear this. Surely they'll be so. Surely they would realize the logic of staying in this lifestyle will kill them. And yet they say, eh, I'm not interested. I mean, you've had people in your family like this. They could be addicted to something that's killing them. And you say, surely they'll listen to this. Moses had to have that feeling. Didn't, don't you think that he was discouraged at times? That he'd come back and say, what in the world? Who would, who would willingly take on each of these things? Not only him, but for his people. I mean, a lot of times as parents, 
we're okay with us suffering. We just don't want to see our kids suffer. Amen? But Pharaoh didn't even, his heart was even harder than that. He didn't care. And so that can be discouraging for Moses. And so when, when, uh, when Pharaoh says, entreat the Lord for me, I'd have been like, no way. Pray for yourself. No, I, well, we do get, now this is why the second point, if you're taking it, the first one is hear and go. The second one is pray and intercede. Uh, we can't become weary and well-doing. We can't become weary and well-doing. We can't become cynical and say, well, they brought this on themselves. They deserve whatever they get. Now, that would be true of Pharaoh, but that would be true of every single sinner. Amen? It, it is true that Pharaoh deserves. It is true that you know, he's brought all this on himself, but God is gracious and full of compassion. So Moses has to take on the heart of God here, and Moses says in verse 9, I shall intercede for you. Remember when Sodom and Gomorrah was about to be destroyed? It said that Abraham said, I consider myself as dust and ashes, and he pleaded for Sodom and Gomorrah. He kept working the numbers down. God, what? suppose there's 10. Instead of saying, these people are so vile. That was Jonah's prayer. Jonah's prayer was, Lord, microwave Nineveh. That was his prayer. It wasn't intercede for Nineveh. Jonah's prayer was, Lord, nuke it. Level it. These people are the worst of the worst. I'm really tired of them even being around. And so don't become weary. Don't become cynical. Don't become agitated. Say, Lord, give me a soft heart that still prays. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Because Moses didn't know if the next day Pharaoh would execute him. And he says, I shall intercede for you and for your servants and for the people. The more we pray that not only did we get the heart of God, but he widens our view because Moses says, not just you, but for your servants and for your people. You might start, say, I'm gonna, I don't feel like praying, but I'm going to stop and pray. How many times has this happened? You're going to pray for one person, you end up praying for 10. Amen? When we stop and say, Lord, I'm not going to listen to my feelings, you said to intercede for all people, be a Daniel, be a Moses. B and Abraham, I'm going to stop and pray. More than likely, you'll, you know, we did it Wednesday night. We, we were going around the room. We were praying for souls and prodigals. So just to name one, instead of going around the room once, we went around twice. We could have gone around ten times. But we'll always, when we stop, God will widen our view. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves praying with sincerity. We start out praying out of obedience. But it moved from obedience to actually mirroring the heart of God. In verse 12, it says, Moses went out, and Moses cried out to the Lord. His, action, his prayer life even gets a little deeper right here. He starts out, I'll intercede, but then he's crying out because now he actually kind of sees Pharaoh as a, a soul. God wants to give us a deeper love for people. Moving on. So again, if you're taking notes, here and go. Number two, pray and intercede. Uh, number three, look, verse 19, now the lice... Uh, are there, and as we talked about, magicians couldn't replicate this one. Not that anyone would want to, <laughs> but uh, uh, they couldn't. They couldn't make the lice come. And they said, and the magician said to Pharaoh, and these magicians were 
uh, the best of the best, uh, you know, whether it was with their enchantments, whether it was sleight of hand, whether it was demonic power behind them. Uh, but they said, this is the finger of God. Don't you love it when, um, when non-believers when non-believers can see the work of God. And sometimes they can actually, God will use the non-believers to give us a little boost. I haven't told this story in a long time. I'm going to tell it because some of you haven't heard it. But I was, um, I've told it probably five times in ten years, but I haven't told it in a while. When I got saved uh, at Calvary Fort Lauderdale and I was working at a health club, uh, there was a guy that I worked with. He was a ladies' man. We had, a, we had quite a group, but we had uh, one dude was Jehovah's Witness, and he in, was into mixed martial arts. And we had another guy that was, uh, you know, just, um, I can't remember what, oh, he was, no, he was, the other guy was Native American, and he hated God. He was really, I mean, just passionate about his Native American culture. And then the, we had this other guy, he was a Jewish guy that was the ladies' man. He wasn't religious, he was Jewish culturally, but he didn't, he didn't attend synagogue. He didn't care about it, but, but he, uh, he was always with a new girlfriend. And, uh, so one morning he comes in, he tells me, he goes, uh, yeah, I'm, I've been dating this girl lately. And I said, oh, really tell me about it. He goes, um, well, last night I was on the phone with her. And, uh, this is back when people talked on the phone, you know, the phone wrapped around, uh, the phone wrapped around the kitchen and all this stuff. And you'd kind of walk around, the cord would follow you, and, and, and you didn't text and stuff like that. You would actually lay on the ground and talk for like two hours on the phone. <laughs> so he was, uh, he was on the phone with her for a couple hours, and it was getting late. It's a Saturday night. And, uh, and she said, i got to get off the phone. And he goes, why? He goes, she goes, because I have church tomorrow. And he says to her, he goes, hold on a second. Why are you going to church? She goes, because I'm a Christian. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. He goes, I know a Christian, and you are not a Christian. <laughs> he, he was speaking about me, because I had, I had witnessed to him. I'd tell him what I heard at church, and he goes, no, 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 I know a Christian. You are definitely not a Christian. She got so offended on the phone, and she's like, she goes, I'm going to hang up on you and me. are not going to date anymore. And he goes, how dare you tell me I'm not a Christian? He goes, I just know one. You're not one. You know, he didn't know. He just, he just was like... I said, uh, so how, how, how's y'all's relationship now? He's like, I don't think it's real good. I mean, she was not real happy with that. You know, he goes, but I just try to tell her all the stuff you tell me. So he, like, doesn't follow it, but he was kind of witnessing to her. It was really weird to me. And this is what Pharaohs have, and the magicians are like, look, we don't believe in this God either, but this is pretty, we're pretty sure this is really God because we can't do this stuff, and these miracles are big. And I just, uh, the, the third point Take notes, be a vessel. Just let God use you. You're not quite sure sometimes how God's using you. You're not sure who's really watching you. You think nobody's watching sometimes. You think nobody's paying attention, but someone somewhere is kind of observing. I've had many examples of this over the years. I've been shocked where people have come two or three years later and said, you know, I, I'm like, wow, I didn't even know you were there. You know, you're observing that. But just be a vessel. Now, Pharaoh didn't receive, but it looks like the magicians, their hearts are being softened. I really believe that it told me at that time that some of the guys that I was working with, because I witnessed to them all, and we'd throw the football, and none of them really were interested, but they would dialogue with me, and they become softer over time, 
we're not responsible for people's reactions. We're only responsible for us being a reflection. Does that make sense? We're only responsible to be a reflection of God. We're not responsible for people's reactions if they react, hey, I believe that, I don't believe that, uh, give me a couple of years and I'll, I'll, I want to kind of do what I want for a while. I'm, I'm ready now. I'll come. I won't come. We're not responsible for their reactions. But we are responsible to be a reflection. And people could say the finger of God is on Moses. Amen? The finger of God is on this man. The hand of God is on this man. Be a vessel. Verse 20. Got two more and we're done. Verse 20. And the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Right back to square one. <coughs> Did you know that the Christian life is a cycle of repeating? Guess what you're going to need to do again tomorrow? Rise early in the morning. And not necessarily, not everybody has to rise early. I, I, I mean this metaphorically. But put God at the center or the beginning of your day. And go right back out into the Egypt all over again. Next week, 2019, 2020. Uh, you guys know my, one of my mentors, Sam Nather, I love he says this. He says, consistency is maturity. Consistency is maturity. Mature people are consistent people. And consistent people say, I don't know what I'm going to get out of rereading again this morning, but I know God is faithful. The word of God will not return for it. I'm going to pray anyway. I'm going to rise again, and I'm going to keep going back and doing it again and again and again. Jesus, this is true of everything. Now, how often should we forgive our brother? A couple times? He says, as many as you're alive, basically. It's a repeating number, seven times 70, but it's actually... Uh, the, the, the mindset is a, a continuing number. And that consistency of Moses is like, all right, Lord, I'm going back in there again. I'm pretty sure I've made the same case each time. I'm pretty sure I've said the same thing. I'm pretty sure I've prayed this prayer. Have you prayed certain prayers hundreds of times now? Keep praying them. Keep praying them. God's changing us if he's not changing the circumstances, Amen. Rise and repeat. Is, if you're taking notes, uh, the fourth point, rise and repeat. And the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. The reason we stood when we prayed for revival. We've been standing to pray for revival for eight to ten years now. Well, there's been no revival. Should we stop? Should we give it up? Oh, we did that for a while. Tried it. Didn't work. We have, in the, the Christian faith, we have this word hope. You know what it means, right? It means joyful expectation. It's not like, I hope I win the lottery. You have a one in a gazillion chance, right? But if you say, I hope God will move on our behalf, that hope means I expect with joy God to move on our behalf in our prayer life. Going back into the same pl places. Reinviting the same person to church. Well, I invited them to church once. Do it again. Not every day. You might really, really, you know, mess up the relationship. But uh, 
But look for those times, Lord, open another door, open another opportunity, rise and repeat. Just keep trusting and obeying, for there's no other waiting, right? That's not how it goes, but anyway. Last, last thing, if you're taking notes. Verse 23, and then in verse 5, uh, and he says, I will make a difference between my people and your people. Those that were the followers of God and those that were still under Pharaoh and the rebellion or resistance of his heart. Tomorrow the sign shall be. And the Lord did so, verse 24. And then in verse 5 of chapter 9, then the Lord appointed a set time. Time will make things clear what God is doing in us, in situations we're in, and people will be prepared in time, but no matter what, will be prepared in time. Amen? Time. He says, tomorrow, I'll make a... He says, I'll make, for two things, there's two points here. Uh, I put time will make clear, if you're, making, uh, if you're taking notes, last point, time will make clear. Um, in time, we're being, the Bible says, transformed from glory to glory. It's not an easy process, and it's a fairly painful process for God to mold us because when we get saved, we knew we were sinners, but we didn't realize how flawed we were until years later. We're like, wow, I really do need a lot of work done to me, right? We thought it was, a, you ever seen people that take on a house renovation project and they thought it would like be three months and they find out it's like 15 months? That's, that's us. We get saved and we're like, it's probably going to take God a little couple weeks to kind of get me right. Then you realize a couple decades later, a um, couple decades later, um, you're like, Lord, is there an appointed time for me getting to uh, this next juncture of uh, growth or, or me kind of changing in this area or me uh, becoming, that people can see a difference in me and God says, I'll make a difference between my people and the world. See, we don't make the difference. We kind of do these other things. We, we hear the Lord and keep going. We pray and intercede. We just say, Lord, we're going to be a vessel. We keep repeating, rise and repeating. Uh, we keep coming to church. We keep reading our Bibles. We keep doing the things that God says, do these things and I will bless them. And then all of a sudden, God starts to make a difference in us, but also in his appointed time. There could be an appointed time for someone that we've been trying to reach for a long time, but the appointed time might be July of 2019. But between now and then, God wants to make a difference in us and that the world can see it. Amen? We can't always see the progress, but Moses, you know, if he, if he stops and thinks when he's discouraged, and we all get discouraged, sometimes we can miss the obvious. You know, if, if we were kind of narrating to Moses, we're like, Moses, if you're discouraged, none of us have ever seen miracles like this. But when you're in the battle, sometimes we forget miracles God's done on our behalf, don't we? It, other, that's why you actually have to have fellowship for other people to actually speak in your life. And they'll see, they'll say, but I remember God did this, this, and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. People can encourage, we can, we have the, we have the uh, you know, difference of time of looking back and the scripture already recorded so we can tell Moses, come on, there's only seven more to go. 
But when you're at three-tenths of the way, it doesn't feel that way, does it? Moses is like, it's easy for you to say. Well, by the time you get to chapter 9, they're at 5. But he doesn't even know he's halfway there. You might be halfway to God doing an amazing thing, and you don't know you're halfway because chapter 9 is the fifth plague. You're halfway home. Not, I don't mean halfway to death, but I mean you're halfway to God doing a breakthrough but you're going to have to keep doing these same steps and doing them with the right heart. And God is making progress in us. And we'll see it if we'd be still long enough for God to show it to us. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we are grateful and thankful for your word. And Lord, we need to be reminded of these things. That you are for us, not against us. And, Lord, you'll send us out. We don't, we don't bring any more to the table than Moses did. But, Lord, with an obedient heart and a willingness to go, we pray, Lord, that you would continue to shape us and to mold us. And, Lord, we look forward to the progress. We believe by faith that you will do great and mighty things in our life. And, Lord, you'd even take this small service and the seeds planted, and you'd water them in our hearts that we'd finish this year strong, strong in the Lord, not strong in our own strength. Apart from you, we can do nothing. But Lord, we'd finish more committed, more surrendered, more believing that, Lord, even if things look like they're not working, that we'd not become weary in well-doing. But in due season, Lord, you're going to bring forth a harvest. We believe this by faith. I pray your blessing on each and every person here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.